1: there are those who say
0: leave well enough alone
1: if it isn't broken don't fix it
0: you don't mess with success
2: while others have something quite different to say the new Lexus RX now with enhanced dynamic handling and available 12.3 inch touchscreen it's the best selling luxury crossover of all
0: time reinvented experience amazing at your Lexus dealer click the banner to discover more the following podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be sent to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Hey, Bruce, ever since we've podcasted together and talk about mixed martial arts, I've had listeners hit me up, friends, family, say, you know, hey, who's going to win this fight? Who should I put my money on? And I know for a fact you get the same questions and you answer the same way every time. You don't exactly say who people should put their money on, but you do have a place where all of our listeners can go, and lay down some cash and do it in
2: the best way possible. you got to check out a place called MyBookie.com. See, here's a key thing, TJ. Whatever you're betting, it's just as important as to know who you're betting with. Right. That's why I always tell people to bet with MyBookie. And trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. Here's the key reasons, TJ. They've been in business for years. They have great reviews online when I check them out. And their mobile site is easy to use. You lay down some cash, and hopefully you win big today. I was talking about fights, but
0: MyBookie is not just a – Fight bookie. It's. Uh,
2: total Wine and More announces
0: points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. You know, there for the NFL, baseball,
2: uh, everything from top to bottom. This is a full service online bookie. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, believe me, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you guys that like fantasy out there, Mm -hmm. you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player is going to score each game. That's huge.
0: And I think we got a little bit of a a deal going on with uh, MyBookie that if our listeners go over there and use the promo code buffer upon uh, their first deposit, we will match their initial deposit dollar for dollar.
2: Exactly. So when you go to mybookie.com, use promo code BUFFER, all in capitals, B-U-F-F-E-R, to activate that offer. So visit mybookie online today. That's mybookie, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code BUFFER when creating your account to claim the bonus. It's real simple. Here it is. You play, you win, you get paid. We
0: are
2: live. All right. I don't
0: have the uh, the panaz of one Mr. Bruce Buffer. However, it is its time with Bruce Buffer, and we're in the can today. Sorry. Uh, a little best of action. Bruce traveling to Madison Square Garden, the UFC. Uh, we're a little bit late, a couple of days. I apologize. And software recording issues, but I've got it all figured out. We are ready to go, and we have a nice show for you today. We did Back in the Vault. Check out a podcast we did with the... Uh, always enjoyable, Joey Diaz, the comedian who has a podcast of his own, The Church of What's Happening Now. Strongly suggest you go check that out. Uh, Joey was kind enough to uh, stop and join us uh, a couple years back for a nice 30 or, wait, 90-minute conversation. And I, I, I do know how to do math, I promise. Uh, so check it out here. And uh, Buffer will be back next week. We'll have more exciting It's Time action for you. Probably recap the results of uh, Derek Lewis and Daniel Cormier from this past weekend. And, uh, yeah, a lot of fun stuff headed your way. So uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And, uh, yeah, here you go. Joey Diaz, Bruce
2: Buffer. It's Time Radio. Everything on the show, whether it's UFC, MMA, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, current events, film, collectibles, you name it, we talk about it. So please stay tuned in and thank you for listening as we begin this show, our second show of the year. With our very special guest, of course, my co-host TJ DeSantis is here. But we're going to have a really edge to the show, a flavor to the show. Somebody calls it Mad Flavor. I'll call it Mad Flavor because he's here. Joey Diaz. Joey, how are you? What's
1: up, my brother? I'm so happy to have you I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. I was cursing you on the 405 when it was bumper to bumper. Once you get to the Wilshire, it opens up. Right. It's a nightmare. It It, really is. You can't predict traffic in Los Angeles. I I live down in Orange
0: County. I come up here every day at 4 a.m. So I avoid that morning avoid rush hour. That. And smart. then I head home around 1, 2 in the afternoon because I, I can't do it. It's soul
2: crushing. It ruins your entire day. It really does. It all really I know does. is I live at the beach. You live up in Hollywood, right? North Hollywood. North, North Hollywood. Hollywood. City. So when you go to your, uh, <coughs> call them, I don't call them go-sees, call them auditions, meetings, all that. When I got to go to Hollywood now, I have to allocate like
1: an hour and a half minimum. It's a horror show. And you have no idea. When yeah, I moved to Los Angeles, I moved here in June of 97. Mm-hmm. And my first destination was Hollywood for a few weeks, and I saw how disgusting it was at that time. Right. And I said, listen, nobody moves to California to live in a city. You move to... I grew up looking at shots of beaches in Jersey. Right. Let me move to the fucking beach. So I moved to Redondo. Beautiful. Great Chinese food. I lived two blocks away from Motley Crue. Killed the guy in the car. I mean, it was great down there. Walking to the beach, cross this avenue B, I loved it. But there's a problem. I don't drink. But I was getting pulled over every night. Really? When I made that ride off the 110. When was this? What year? 97. You know what that means? My
2: brother is retired 25 years for Donna Beach Police Force. You might have been pulled over by my brother
1: Brian at some time in the it past. It was. <laughs> and I wasn't doing anything. It was just, again, It was 97. It was still a 45-minute drive for a 2 o'clock audition. I'll never forget driving from down there to a 5 o'clock on Bundy to walk in. I mean, once we got there, you had to wait an hour. Right. And it was just to flash your hands and then take your hands away. I was never so fucking furious. Then drive back to Redondo, then get ready and go back to Hollywood to the comedy store. Wait, I'm a little shocked right now, Joey, because... Are you saying you went in to be a hand model? They called me in. When I first moved here, you would go out for commercials four times a day. Yeah. I'll never forget. I had the phone at the house, and they would call you from 5 to 7 twice to give you two auditions, and while you were out auditioning, your pager would go off. I would have a pager back then. Oh, you know, man. Know it well. that, oh, well. That's when it was three to four auditions a day. Wow. You would go on nine auditions a week for commercials alone. Yeah. You were never stop moving. You'd you constantly go going. Your day was going. And yeah. At the time, I sold cigars. Right. Cigars were huge. So me, I had a part-time job from six to 12, making two grand a week Selling Not, cigars on the phone. You made Not that bad. much money selling 300, cigars? $300 starter kits. You got a $100 commission. Wow. I could do five of those a day. All right, step back a second.
2: Okay. Because in my 20s, we talked about it on the show, I was like... The wolf of L.A. I was one of the kings of telemarketing out here in the office supply industry. I ran telemarketing and owned telemarketing companies for over 10 years. I had boiler rooms as many as, you know, 60 people in a room, you know, treating them really nice and giving them the whole corporate effect. But are you telling me you sat at a phone and you did pitching all day with the pitch selling cigars?
1: till I made six, 700 and I get the fuck out of that 10.30 in the morning, go give, home and go to sleep. Give us the pitch real quick. Ring-a-ding. So, you know, good, good morning. Can I talk to uh, Bruce? This is Bruce. Bruce, what's going on? Joey Diaz, from American Cigar Company. Oh, you know, I don't want it. listen. Listen, hold on. I gotta, I, I gotta talk to you about money. Cigars are the hottest thing. Goldie, whatever horns on the cover, smoking a cigar. Bruce Willis's wife. You know, people always looking for cigars. Why don't you just have a little humidifier? I do not have the money. Listen, this is what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ship you out a humidifier and a cigar sc- starter kit. They usually go for four ninety nine. I'll send it to you for two ninety nine. You know, to start up. I could sell fucking six of those in the daytime now. Easy. Easy. Well, you know what's what's hooking me right now? That accent. Oh, it's That there. dialect. That
0: East Coast oh, vibe, no, man. This is a- like, I, I feel like when you're given that pitch as, you know, the mark, if you will, I don't have a choice. I'm no, buying this thing. Right.
2: But this is the kind of voice where you've gotten calls. This is the kind of voice that's perfect for... The stockbroker call, right? Yeah, it's perfect for the sports
1: call, the betting oh, call uh, for the a, football a bookie? Games Like I got a pick, you can't call. miss tonight. That's yeah. it, right there. I used to work for a sports betting service. I have no doubt. And it was, it wasn't that it was a sports betting service. They weren't a scam. They mm-hmm. really worked hard on what they did. I knew the three brothers who ran it, but their genius was their sales pitch, mm-hmm. and that sales pitch has gone with me forever. Sure. That sales pitch I use in comedy, I believe in it. They were in the business of blowing your fucking wig off. Give me the opening, because that's where it's key. What's happening? Bruce, who's this? This is Pete, American. Go fuck yourself, Pete. Bam. I was talking about it last night. You got to work. They're degenerate gamblers. They live like this. Yeah. You got to catch them when they're here. Right, yeah. That's when they'll talk to you. When they're here, they're not going to talk to you. Right. So you got to keep calling these fucking savages. Right. How you doing, Bruce? Joe Diaz? No, Whatever. Carlos Alas Rocky, you know, Carlos Condit. How are you doing today? Who's this? Listen, I'm, I'm with the fucking bookies of America. Listen, man, you guys keep calling me, here, two, and you just got to steamroll him. I work for a guy named Michael Sonera. Do you know who Michael Sonera is? No, idea. The Wall Street called him the Wall Street of bookmaking. This guy's tremendous. He goes at about 72%. What I'm looking to do is do this with you. What do you bet per game? 200 a game. But I Listen, tonight I got some action. You're going to walk away with 32.50 net. Right off the bat. What's it going to cost me? Usually going to cost you $350. i tell you what. You sound like a nice guy. Throw me a deuce and I'll call you back and pick up the other 150 tomorrow after you won the 3000 That's it. What's the name of the credit card? How's it look? What right. do you got? A MasterCard. Five what? Six what? What do you got? Let's do it. And then you just got to fucking work them. And you had to like, what are you doing right now, Bruce? I'm yeah. sitting here watching TV. Watch you know TV. what I'm doing? You know what I'm doing? Count I just money. finished the lobster tail. Yeah. And some Chinese chicks are going to suck my dick while I'm finger-banging on the <laughs> asshole while she does a line of coke. You know why? Because I made a half a mil last night. Listen, do me a favor. Go to Western Union and send fucking Carlos 750. Fuck you. Papa. Okay, fuck me. Fuck me. I'll tell you how strong this is. Right. Okay? Fuck your 750. Go down there and mail me 350. You're going to win 10,000 tonight. Tomorrow, you're going to... Def- Listen... The first thing you fucking do is you're going to send me my fucking 2200 tomorrow, okay? I'll send the guy over there that'll break your fuck. Not even that, because you can't throw a crack and you can't curse on a long-distance call. Hang on, let me find
0: my wallet, because I'm going to give you everything I have right now. You can't, you you right can't now. curse
1: on a long-distance call. That's right. a felony. It's a fel- is it really? Yeah, you can't curse it's on a F- long-distance call. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. so you got to be careful of all this Wow. Shit. Wait, are, I, we, are, we, are, we, are we
2: penalized and committing felonies right now? Nah, no, the no, internet doesn't right, matter. You know,
1: I think that... The best education I got as a young man, me, right now, telling you this. I did some mistakes. I didn't join the service. Sure. But the thing I did the most, and I tell parents all the time from my experiences, don't let a child go to college the first year after high school. You're making a big mistake. You're throwing away money. And a lot of people
0: say that, oh, (coughs) you can't take a year
1: off because you never go back. Take them and put them in a fucking sales job. Something that's belly to belly. That's the biggest education they're going to get. Because that year of selling belly to belly sales or telemarketing sales is the most you're going to learn about life than four years of college. It's going to make you hungry. Because you learn about human behavior. Everybody is a bullshit artist. I'll be back with my mother to buy that car. No, you won't. You know, we were talking about the pop we were talking about this last night, a friend right, of mine. Right. The best gift I had, I worked for this fucking old school Jew named Artie Pressler. Uh huh. And Artie Presley, did you watch the seven five? Yeah. The seven five, when they meet with the drug dealer, he asked for a twenty four thousand dollar deposit. Right. Nobody would go for that. This guy, Artie Presley, used to say nobody makes an offer without a deposit. If you when I worked for Artie Pressler and Bold, I was a college kid, and I remember times I come up <laughs> Bruce is gonna buy the car. Right. He made us an offer. Where's the deposit? Huh. He's gonna buy the car. Available salesman come to the desk. Go get the deposit from this fucking guy. Right. And he wanted let's say the car was twenty five thousand, that's a twenty five hundred dollars deposit, he wanted five thousand. And if not, you better get me a watch, a shoe. Collateral of some sort. Purge. Purge.
2: Some, some purpose of intent.
1: And you didn't figure out why. Like when I sold cars, this Artie Presser said, you always have to take their information down and write it. Don't ever give somebody a credit app. That. That's rule number one. Right. Now, mm-hmm. you have control. When I'm asking Bruce Buffett, what's your social security number? That's an intimate question. Yeah. Once you answered that, I got you. The next question is, Bruce, you're going to suck my dick or what? That's it. Right. I got your social security. I got your MasterCard information. I got your right. wife's name, where your wife lives. Right. Not a five-liner. You got them. This is all psychological stuff that's
2: part of the sale. It's all aspects of the sale. I mean, there's certain terms like the doorknob sale when you're leaving the room and you reach for the doorknob. You go, wait a second. You don't leave without the sale. You don't leave without asking the sale. But I want to get back to something you just said. You said that out of high school, take the year off, the telemarketing, the sales jobs, the belly-to-belly jobs. This really helps you understand life. Joey, you're so correct on that because, A, and I've talked about this on the show before. I'm going to reiterate very lightly. That's what I did, and I'll tell you how I did it. I was in sales before I was out of high school with my own jewelry business, selling and asking for the sale and taking the money. I went to Santa Monica High School, uh, high school, graduated. Then I went to Santa Monica College, and on the board, I write about this in my book. It's time. There was a little three by five cardboard. It said, "Earn three fifty to five fifty a week, or two fifty to three fifty a week, selling over the telephone." Now, this is back in nineteen seventy-five when three fifty a week—that's a
0: lot of money. It was yeah, a thousand a
2: week today, for sure. Okay, so I went in. I became the top salesman in in two weeks. I became the sales manager. I wanted his job. I got that in three months. I opened up my own company, thinking I could do the same thing. Uh, When I was 19, my own corporation, 80% of the sales force, about 30 guys left to go to work for me because I was so motivating and I learned how to do it. I wound up getting sued for over a million dollars by the people I worked with that I was at that first job with. Long story cut short, um, I had the lawsuit thrown out. They paid all my legal bills. And I went back to work for them, owning part of the company for a higher bit of pay. And I never went back to school. I went to school for a year and a half. And I told myself, studying sales, that I would go to work at this telemarketing thing from 5 o'clock in the morning till 2 in the afternoon, going to school till 10 o'clock at night. I started making $100,000 a year when I was 19 years old. So then with that, why do I go back to school? So I said, okay, I'm going to take off school for two years. I'm going to make it in the business area. I'm learning the nuts and bolts of this, and I never went back to school. I'm not saying that's for everybody. It's not yeah. for everybody. But
0: here's the thing, guys. Okay, so between, but it worked for me, Joey. between me and my wife, we have $80,000 in student debt. I'm a radio broadcaster. She is not doing what she went to school for. She went to school for a graphic design degree. You know what the bad part is? Between the $80,000 between us and student debt... It's all hers because I didn't go to college you know what I mean like I don't understand how anybody goes to college pays in upwards of 80 to a hundred thousand dollars for a job that's gonna net them thirty five forty thousand dollars a year to start and they have to work you know ho- work their way up to a higher pay scale and then the interest accrues it's like re- you, people that are going to a four-year university especially if they go to a specialized university or a specialized uh, school like my wife did you're setting yourself so far behind in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if we're ever going to pay my
2: students Here, or my, my wife's student loan. Here's the reason. See if you agree with me on this, Joey. First off, Joey and I, and I'm speaking for ourselves. By the way, this episode is called Life Lessons with Joey Diaz. In, now, a, in so. a blue way. So put your hands over your ears if you can't handle it because it's going to get real, folks. It's already gotten there. So now the thing is, is that I consider us street kids. We we Whatever love our my loving family, my sure. parents, great family, but... I learned a lot in the streets. You learn by application. I learned well yeah, college teaches you knowledge it does not teach you application.
0: Right. Well, okay, so I, I just so want to say wait, wait, one thing to... one thing real quick about the the colleges is they'll teach you
2: book information. They don't teach you how to do any job. That's the point. So again, knowledge, not application. You need to apply. That's what you did, that's what I did, and that's what you you've done since then. In this country, and it's going to change a little bit, we're all taught find a Educate yourself to find a job, to work 20 years, to get a gold watch to retire. Chances are when you hit that 20 years and you retire, you don't have enough money to retire anyway. The way that that happens and the way you make that kind of money, I'm sorry to say, is that in many cases, and in my case, is to go out and be entrepreneurial-minded and create your world. and Go out and try to accomplish. You've done it, Joey. You're doing amazingly well. We're going to go into your career. TJ, you've done what you've done with your life. I know this is the way I've led my life. But I won't tell people that's the only way to do it. you got to do what's right for you. But it's a mental thing. And, Joey, right now with technology and everything else, there's not going to be any salespeople in 10 years that can get on that phone or walk in a room and close a sale or make the deal. We, we We're not des- communicating right anymore. We have
1: destroyed our children. Yes. Thank because you. Go into that. the most basic job that a child could have is delivering newspapers. Yep. Thank you. I had it. You're exactly Jesus right. Jesus fucking Christ. I realized this sixty years ago. There's no more kids delivering newspapers. No. And I think if parents, I think parents should just order a newspaper and make sure that kids deliver it and make a fucking living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once a year, some kid knocks on my door that they're selling papers for Studio City or something like or that. Or magazines. And I look at them and I go, where's the rest of you little motherfuckers at? <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was a kid, I was knocking on doors every fucking day doing something. Yeah. We've taken away that hustle. We, these generations are getting raised. Yeah. Listen, I could tell you guys both something. You could be the funniest guy in the world. If you can't get your message out there, your funny is non existent, right? You might as well go to the bar and crack jokes when uh, ESPN comes on. I did not become a full comedian till I started using what I learned as a child Mm -hmm. to better my career, but with the internet.
0: Here's my question, Joey is, is I look at um, you know, kids that are in middle school, maybe high school now. They are so socially awkward and socially uncomfortable that I worry when they get away from their parents, even when they go to college, that they're going to lock themselves in their dorm. They're going to do the bare minimum of what they need to do, even if they exceed at what they do. But when it comes to actual application, networking, trying to get a job, they're useless. They have no idea how to carry or, a conversation.
2: Or they're going to go out, and they're going to come up against, and I'll speak for ourselves, some street-sharp people like Joey or me, and they're going to get eaten alive. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I really worry about the second generation, especially too, because when friends hang out with one another, when I see kids at the mall hanging out at the food court, they're not talking to each other. They're playing with their phones. We lack some sort of basic communication at the, you know, the level of
1: kids in, these days. I remember 1991. Mm-hmm. 1990 You can some, still remember summer, 1991, Summer yummy. of 1990. I'm about to get married. I just got out of the fucking joint. I'm out six months. I'm selling brand new Mitsubishi. Uh, what's the Mitsubishi car? The fast car they have. Uh, Eclipse. Eclipse. Mm-hmm. I'm selling them a bub sticker price, trying to stay alive. I'm in the halfway house. I'm selling blow, and I'm loaning money at the halfway house as a loan shark, so because they had to pay your rent on Thursday. People don't get paid till Friday. Wait, you're out of jail and you're back to selling again? I'm in the loan. I'm in the fucking loan sharking business at the halfway house. Gotcha. And I'm and I'm and I was level four, so I came in at midnight, so there was no cop, so I could sneak in packages. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I was trying to do everything I could to pay for this wedding. I'm a street guy. I was mm-hmm. doing everything I could to pay for this wedding, and to prepare for this child. All I right. was stealing with three fucking hands. <laughs> and I never forget that I'm going up. Like this salesman comes in, and he's like an articulate older guy very European, you know, and he's and he's fucking killing me, guys. Mm-hmm. In those days, I was very competitive. Mm-hmm. And I did whatever it fucking took. And the motherfucker would always go out and smoke cigarettes. So for two months in a row, one month, we finished at 15 and 14 and a half. But your money in the car business is in bonuses after you hit like eight cars. The ninth car was a $200 bonus. I think the, f- the 16th car was like a $2,000, 3000 bonus. Wow. Right. I, got 15, big. I got 15 cars going into the last day of the month, and this cocksucker's got 14 cars. I got them. I'm going to win the salesman of the month. There's another five. I'm going to walk out of this month with a $15,000. That's a lot of money month. for 1990, Joey. It's the last day of the fucking month, and this motherfucker goes outside and pulls it up, and it's a mother and daughter team. That's car number 15. While the mother's doing the paperwork, the daughter goes, I might as well buy a fucking car, too. Oh, Listen to me. It was 3 in the afternoon. I'm an old school motherfucker. This dude got up and went outside to show the daughter the car. In those days, I used to put those cigarette things and people's cigarettes that blow up. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I went in the guy's office. And I filled every fucking cigarette with one of those fucking things because he used to smoke in the office. The things you stick right in the end, yeah. And I would pack three of them in, fuck one. Wow. They come back, everybody's hunky-dory, they're all drinking sodas and shit. They're ready to sit down (laughs) and do the fucking paperwork. It's 1990, you could still smoke in the motherfucker. Right, yeah. He says, turns around as they're about to sign the contract, he goes, do you ladies mind if I smoke? And they go, no. As a matter of fact, we'll smoke one with Oh, you. no. Oh. They take the cigarettes out. They're all like fucking, you know, like when you get married, you took the, the glass and yeah. put it under somebody. And they were both, they're all like, tsch, tsch, and then he lights his cigarette, puts the lighter down, and within 10 seconds, you hear, ba <laughs> bah. And all of a sudden, there was a little thing. And you heard, BOM and his blew up. The two women started yelling, he basically knew it was me. Right. I had pushed him. He was going bald. So I used to call Bald of America for men and I go, listen, this is whatever his name was <laughs> right. called call me back. I can't talk right now. So he'd get a thousand calls from the Bald Association oh, man. of America. Oh my gosh. I was I was dirty you motherfucker. Were brutal. How so is this not like a movie scene? This motherfucker got up, his cigarette had exploded. There was nicotine all over his table. The chick is crying. The other girl's crying. They both get up. But no, before they look at the manager, and the manager's like, the manager's dying to laugh. This motherfucker gets up, takes a cigarette out of his mouth, Gets a picture of his daughter, throws in the briefcase, takes his pencils, <laughs> locks his briefcase, what? leaves. As they're walking out crying, I grab the two girls and I sell the two cars. Oh yes, Do you understand me? Yeah, I, I understand. love that's that. it. That's American ingenuity. That's oh. What people have forgotten. That's America, baby. That's American yeah, that's ingenuity, America. that's it. That's and it. that's what these kids can't handle. No, where I used to go to Kung Fu on uh, Western Boulevard, down by Santa Monica, where Eddie's school used to be. It's a bad neighborhood. Mm-hmm. There's a black Kung Fu school there. And I'll never forget, I used to park there, and there was a, a factory there, and a bunch of homeless people lived there. And, I, and I, became, I became acquainted with the homeless people, and I'd bring them sweaters. But there was this one homeless dude that lived in a corner. And on the wall, he had a picture of his wife and kids. It was the saddest thing in the world. And I'd always swing by and give him change. And one nice. day I looked, and he wasn't there. But there was a Subway sandwich that was a foot long. It was now a six-inch. And it was in the corner, and I'm like, that's weird that a homeless guy would leave the six-cent sandwich there. One of these homeless, other homeless guys would steal him. I looked a little closer, and there was a little piece of shit right in front of the six-cent sandwich. That was his alarm system. That's American ingenuity. <laughs> that's ingenuity, is right. That's American ingenuity. <laughs> yeah, he put a piece of shit in front of his own sandwich. Gotta do what you gotta Who's do. Who's gonna touch that no. fucking sandwich? I am not gonna eat it. No way. I mean, that takes that's the whole like what we've forgotten. It's a great yeah. joke and a great metaphor, but think about it.
2: But Joey, there's that's what we've forgotten in this country. But there's there's there areas or are lost vestiges where this can still exist in you know streets in New York and some areas even Philly where I'm from. And, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a uh, guy that moved out here from Philadelphia at 15 to Malibu, went through the culture shock of the whole entertainment industry and the beautiful blondes running around and did the whole Frankie Avalon transition and became Baywatch before Baywatch. You know, I was East Coast to West Coast, and, and that really helped. I'm so proud of my East Coast upbringing because it allowed me to do what we're talking about here, to get out in the streets and make things happen. And you, you actually went to jail before you even started your comedy career. If I may say so, if it's okay, because I know you'll talk about everything openly, but Joey was in prison for kidnapping and aggravated robbery. I'm not asking to talk about it. No, I don't give a fuck. That's up to you. But you started stand-up comedy in prison. Now, I don't know what's one thing. I want to laugh if I was in prison, too. God forbid I ever go there. But
1: what caused you to do but stand-up I started, comedy? Well, how did that I start? I started stand-up not knowing. Yeah, yeah. You follow me? It you was know, you. You didn't know. You it. know, when you're yeah. a kid and you're in front of Hashway's Deli. Right. And there's eight gorillas in front of the place and, there's, and there, you're in Jersey. And people are cracking jokes. And you got one opportunity to be funny. You know, here comes the janitor with the missing foot and the limp. And you got a goof on him. That's right. stand-up. Right. You don't even know you're doing Right. It. Right. Here I did I it on the bus yeah. in middle school. Here I am yeah. in prison. The, the, the fucking thing breaks when I get on stage and crack jokes. It wasn't the stage. It was a fucking table. Yeah. It was a fucking table. Right. Nonchalantly, I'm doing this. And one day one of the guys comes over and he goes, you should really work on that. You're uh-huh. not bad. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, where do you write your jokes? I go, I'm no fucking jokes. I just go up there and make fun of the black convicts and the white guys, yeah. and the food at the prison. He goes, you don't have a notebook? I go, no. He goes, you really should work on this. Because if you're going up there, and that was it, you know, every situation in your life is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. It's what you take away from that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to prison. When somebody sentences you to prison, you think your world's going to end. Yeah, how, so how long were you in, in for, or sentenced for? Eight months. I got four-year sentence, sure. eight months, 16 months. And I spent a long time in a fucking halfway house, which is even harder, because you're, you're right there, and they, they, they take it away from you for nothing. Was that because right. you were, were you considered a drug addict when you went into prison? Not at all. Not at all, at all. They didn't even fuck with me at that level. Uh-huh. They fucked with me at the level of... You know, the kidnapping, everything got reduced to second-degree burglary. I had a great attorney, but it was what it was. It was a fucking drug rip.
2: Yeah, okay. It was
1: a fucking drug rip. This whole thing was bad to the bone. The reason—at that time, I was so blind to society— that I couldn't even understand why the cops were even investigating. This has got nothing to do with you. This is a street thing. That's right. how fucking street I was. Right. Wow. This has got nothing to do with you guys. This, this is a daily activity. This, this isn't this... a traffic violation. Yeah, this right. is something broke into a drug guy's house and put him in a fucking trunk. This has got nothing to do with you. It's <laughs> right. their move now. It's bad on bad. It's their move yeah, now. Exactly. You know. So I could not understand what I had done. You know. How old were you? Twenty eight. Okay. No, twenty five. I had not understand what I had done because where I'm at, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. You know, that happens every day. There's a drug rip, and you accept it. We just had one over
2: here down the street at Jerry's Deli where a 17-year-old girl from Houston was shot in the head and killed. Friday, last week. Last week. Yes, that's Jerry's so. frigging Deli over here in Marina Del Rey. Yeah, it's not a, the
0: place that that for, stuff
2: normally happens. For a pound a pot, Joey. A pound a pot. What? A guy tried to—they had a pound of pot they were going to sell, according to what I read. The guy that went there, the 17-year-old's in the back visiting her, her sister, totally innocent— the guy tries to rip them off for the pound of pot. They shoot into the car. They kill the seventeen-year-old. It's girl
1: California. In. Why are you even selling weed like that? Because they're coming from other states to get it. I right? Guess, yeah. that's, that's the what point they, they're doing. Yeah. This is great, something else. But it was really weird. What I looked at at that time, I had nothing going on with my life. I thought it was the end of my world. I went in there to find out who the fuck I was and what I was. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's really weird that that. that I, but I guarantee people who went to Vietnam. You find out who and what sure. you are fucking, without question, fucking quickly. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I see young kids and I go, Look at that kid, he's 16. He couldn't handle what I handled at sixteen. He had a no, fucking nervous no, breakdown. No, and that's fine. I don't want you know. I don't want my daughter to go through no childhood. You know, we were raised with there's no fucking childhood. Mm-hmm. They tell you at six, go to the store and get cigarettes and fucking booze. You Joey, know I was a kid in
2: Philadelphia, and my brother and I from the suburbs of Philly would take the train or the bus to downtown Philly when we were seven and nine. Yeah, that's and we would go to the museum and go to lunch and go to a movie and be home by four for dinner at five. You can't do that can't today. Do that today? No, you can't do that today. You
0: can't I, even give a nine-year-old
1: a cell phone
0: these days with what no, they can
1: do with it no you know it's uh it's a different but i you know i see this uh i, I laugh when i hear about this affluenza kid you know and i gotta tell you something i came from a spanish household which explain means, that for our audience please the affluenza kid Go the off. affluenza kid is the kid that his parents said he was too rich to give a fuck or to, uh, I don't know how even to describe him. Mean, in my world, he's worthless mm-hmm. because you're not teaching the kid no values or nothing. You're just giving him money. You just give to you're him, just yeah. giving this right, kid money. Right, right. My mom was softening me up. You know what I'm saying? Like, if my mom would have lived, I would have been a different Joey Diaz. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have really had the desires I had. How old were you when your mom passed? 16. Okay. So it was like the end of my world. I didn't have a dad.
2: Like, most
0: formative years probably. My mom's the most life important right lady now. in my life. She's 87. Yeah. I can't imagine. You can't imagine. Yeah. People
1: call me today and go, hey, man, I lost my mother a year ago and I think about you every day, what you were going through at 16. I'm ready to shoot myself and I'm, I'm grown fucking mad. Yeah. Yeah. How did you handle it? But that's a complete different thing. That made me, that forced me into doing. Who I became, mm-hmm. it forced me to dig deep. I mean, I, I had to quit high school my senior year just to make ends meet. There was you had no social security. Joey. You're a you had survivor. To yeah, Joey, have you written a book? Huh? Have you no, a book? it's it's in the works. Please, because I mean,
0: yeah. I'm serious. Like, uh, I'll be I'll be quite honest with you. I'm not the the biggest uh, comedy fan. I'm, I'm familiar with your work. I love The Longest Yard. Fantastic film. Um, but you know, sitting here, th- this is the first time that I've learned a lot about you and. Just your upbringing. I mean, you sound like a huge success story. It'd be be cool to kind
1: of put no, that on the this is sprint. what America's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. People in America, you know, when you become a felon, do you know the benefits that you get correctly? I'll need you benefits? to explain those. Explain oh, well, you it. can go to college and in, in prison. Mm. No? no? No, no, let Joey take You could come out of jail and file for disability because you're disabled as right. a felon. Right? Really? And get disability like me- every month. Like, uh, disability on on what? Like mentally disabled? Because is that what they think? people are not going to hire me. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Can't get a job use prejudice. Listen, for ten years after I got out of prison, do you think I put it in my application? Why would I? You I'm going to really say no. Do that? I'm going to say no. I, don't How, I, don't, I bet you couldn't live with yourself. If you no, did that. now you you can't do it. Okay. Now you're dead. Right. Right. Even back then, they come to me for. What I do is I get a job selling cars. In the first three days, I'd sell cars like an animal. Mm-hmm. So when they come to me and say, "Can we talk to you about something?" We did a background check. Jose Diaz got arrested. But you proved yourself already. And I had already proved myself. Yeah. And I look at them and go. Jose Diaz is John Smith when you're fucking Spanish, okay? Okay? Go right. to Miami and look for Jose Diaz. Right. Your head will blow up. Yeah. That could be anybody. That could be right. a guy that came in Mario Lito. Get out of here with it. And then I just sell four fucking cars. Right. And they'd look at me and go, he's got a point. And they'd walk away. Right. Maybe it's the You're wrong You're performing. Jose Diaz. So who cares? It's the wrong Jose
2: Diaz. I had, I had many salespeople work for me that I found out about police records. I found out they were ex-drug addicts at times or they were actors in training. You know, going in and many of them went on to become very successful character actors. Bottom line, if that guy handles himself well or a woman handles her well and they're selling and they're doing their job and producing, then you know what? Everybody has a right to change. Everybody has a right to succeed. Everybody's
1: got a second chance. You got to give somebody a second chance. But me not hiring a felon because of corporate policy, you know what, man? I get it. I get that this is an insurance company and I can't have a guy with a dragon on his fucking neck walking around. You understand me? Right. But I never went for none of that. Right. I'd apply for these jobs knowing that I was already going to get a little bit of backlash if they found that. Right. I'd be open with you and tell you anybody who judges somebody on that isn't fucking real. No. If you judge somebody for doing that time, I judge the motherfucker that it. That's the guy I don't even want in the room because that motherfucker was standing out. He was standing outside of 9/11 with an umbrella when the towers got hit. Yeah, that's the guy I don't want. But somebody who does their time and pays their due to society, I got whatever they did. You know, whatever. And my I fucking love dogs. I'm Cuban. I, I got a San Lazaro on my fucking neck right now. You know, a Cuban. They couldn't even put Michael Vick in most prisons because of the Cubans. They're aborquas. They couldn't put him in. They kill him over dogs. I'm not mad at Michael Vick. He made a fucking mistake. He did his time. He paid his fucking fine. What else you want? Right. I had what a, else do you fucking want from this guy? Well, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I spoke openly on the show. I had a problem with Vic. I had a
2: problem with Philadelphia Heart because I'm a dog and animal lover. I'm, but then he did his time. He did his public service. He was doing everything to educate people who are like that, that this is
1: not the thing to do. What better spokesperson? You got to let him go. You got you to let, go. let him go. You know, at the end of the week, you know, Mike Tyson was hanging out at the UFC, hugging people. You ever see Mike Tyson on a fucking plane? People go crazy over Mike Tyson. Women hug Mike Tyson. This is a guy that went to prison for rape. Yeah. Most people in society go, rape, I'm not talking to him. Right. It's Mike Tyson, so you talk to him, you overlook it, but he did his time. But he Mike Tyson's
0: thing. the only guy. I mean, John Smith down the street goes to jail for rape. No one's ever going to that ever dude. Gonna talk to that. Yeah. And a lot
1: dude. of people say that
2: if Mike Tyson was arrested in California versus Ohio, where he was arrested, he may never have gone to jail. No.
1: There's yeah. a lot of variables. But the thing being that everybody deserves a second chance. It's what you do with that second chance.
0: Right. But every, if you screw every, up after, you're a you know a problem. problem. Yeah. Every
1: fucking Monday, you get a second chance. I right. tell people that. That's the great thing about Mondays. You get a second chance to start all over again. Whatever smoking, sucking, fucking. That's why
2: I like the that's why I like the first of the year. Listen, we're gonna take a little quick break and come back. We're talking about the past, we're talking about things from the past. Somebody from both our generations who became a big star when we were young kids in junior high school or high school just passed away named David Bowie. I want to touch on that with you when we get back. We'll be right back on Foxsports.com. Do you struggle with an untreated sleeping problem? Is wearing a CPAP mask not for you? Are you simply out of options and want to try something new? Finally, there is a simple and comfortable solution to sleep great every night. It's time to get the no-pap positional pillow. Sleeping on your side is commonly known to help reduce snoring for many people. One side is stuffed with a supportive foam block, which is soft and firm. The other side is stuffed with a polyester down alternative, which is soft and comforting. Perfect for snoring and restless sleepers. Minimize the tossing and turning in the most simple and comfortable way. Your solution could be simple. Every sleeper is different. Find out what works for you. Check out NOPAP.com. That's n-o-p-a-p.com. Save 10% now when you use the promo code IT'S TIME. That's 10% when you use the promo code IT'S TIME. Check out nopap.com. That's N-O-P-A-P.com. It's time to begin.
0: <laughs> Who am I kidding? I'll let him do it.
2: the voice of MMA, Bruce Buffer. Hi, Bruce Buffer back on FoxSports.com, here with my co-host TJ DeSantis and our very special guest, and I mean special because it's just such a long time waiting to get him in studio. We've got the forever wonderful, forever funny, forever <laughs> Profane. Joey Diaz. Wouldn't have you any other way, Joey. What's up, love beautiful? You. Love you being in here. Joey, before I go any farther, there's certain things in life that are more important than other things in life. One thing I know that's very important, if not the most important thing to you in your life besides your wife and your, your personal welfare, is your boy. He's three years old now? She. She? Oh, your she, daughter. She, 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 pardon she. me. Pardon no, 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 Jimmy again, all over again, no, right? <laughs> your daughter. Because were telling me about your baby. So, three years? Three years. It's so fast. You, I, it's like you told me about her yesterday. Oh, fuck.
1: Great. Unbelievable. Walk to the school this morning, get drama on the way. She's changed the whole house. You know, my wife's 46. I'm 52. Right. There's a fucking three-year-old walking around the house now. We don't even know how this happened. There's little shoes in the doorway.
2: So I got to ask you, Joey, do you use the F word around her? Do you no, hold it back? Are no, you good at this? Yeah. Yeah. Because she's a tape recorder. Do you have the jar? Do you have to put money in the no, jar? No, there's no jar. No jar? I just don't. You're not good. I'm not good. I keep nice. it that That's low. That blows me Sometimes away. Sometimes
1: on the phone, I pick it up in the car and people use it. But she's. I took the pacifier out of her mouth. We did the mid-level report and they're like, listen, the pacifier's got to go. I had a pacifier. I thought I was six. <laughs> but I broke one of my mom's Japanese dolls. So the deal was either you pay for it or you give me all the fucking pacifiers. So I had, when I was six, I had about 100 pacifiers everywhere on the street hidden because when things got deep, I'd call a timeout and take two sucks and come back like nothing happened. What's going on here? You know
2: what? That thing might even work today, Joey. That thing might yeah. work today. Yeah, it so might
1: work I, today. I took the pacifier from the two weeks, and it's like living with Sammy the Bull Gravano. She won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> she's doing drug deals in there at night. I can hear her on the teleprompter, Louie Fingers. She won't shut the fuck up. So she's saying shit. Like her favorite word this week is no problem. Really? What's going on? You want to eat? No problem. Everything's like no it. fucking problem. So I know that she's got a tape recorder in her head. And one day, it's just going to fuck's going to come out just from her personality. Like, by right. mistake. Right. But I don't want to go there with her. So once uh, when a child curses, it's irreversible. I go through that with my 7 and I did year olds it. Yeah. Adult. This is. it. I learned that my mother's ball. Yeah. And never, when I was 5, I was telling people to suck my dick. It's cute. But it's not fucking cute. And I have friends that have kids that say, suck my dick, cocksucker. And everybody in the room laughs. I curse and I don't fucking laugh.
2: Did you lose your virginity at seven when you started at five? Or just <laughs> no, a while? no, no. I didn't <laughs> lose
1: my virginity until I was an old man and shit. So what is it, what's next week for? Forget about it? Then what's, what's going to be the it's next hysterical. week? It's hysterical. No problem. Uh, you know, every week is something different. So you don't know where they're coming from. Well, I want to wish you a, uh, a
2: pre-happy 53-year-old birthday because your birthday's February 19th. Yes. And uh, as a little degree of separation, February 16th for me is not my birthday, but it's a huge anniversary. It's 20 years announcing in the octagon, February 16th for me. Oh, wow. So we got a couple big things to celebrate next month, Joey. Yeah, that's in 20
1: fucking years. 20
2: years, yeah. It's incredible. So that's that. Now, when you go back, and uh, one, of these, one of the finer musician artists, if not one of the finest of all time in his varied musician form, were you a fan of David Bowie? Back then, because he was like a he was like a, a changer. Of Do you want things. me to
1: lie to you and tell you I went to see him? No. Do you want me to lie to you? I loved him. Yeah, I, I loved all that type of music. I don't know how many lines I snorted to ground <laughs> control to Major <laughs> Tom. I was a sophomore. That's all we snorted coke. Yeah. And you know, yesterday when I woke up and I saw that, I put my earphones on as mm-hmm. I was writing in the morning at like six, and I just went on YouTube. And I put a couple albums on. And I started crying when I heard Golden Years. I started mm. crying. My all-time David Bowie jam of all fucking time. that tops in my world is one of the top three songs. Is fucking Fame. Done. Oh, write it out. Big time. When I play that on the podcast. I play it at home. Yeah, when I want to get. And you know who wrote that song? No, John Lennon. I didn't know that. John Lennon really? wrote Fame and Benny and the Jets the same week. He wrote Fame for him. And John got pissed off and said, "What the fuck." <laughs> Give me two days, I'll send you a song. Benny and the motherfucking Jets. Amazing. He wow. wrote Fame. That was John Lennon's fucking jam. Fame. That's crazy. When when
2: Bowie got popular for me, I was uh, 15 or 16. I remember this because, actually, the girl that I lost my virginity to at 16 was a huge Ziggy Stardust Bowie fan. This is how this kind of really stands out in my mind. Now, I've got six years on you, so when you were in high school, it was the fame period. Because one thing about Bowie, he created these trends in music, for Ziggy Stardust, who the frick knew what Ziggy Stardust was, it was one of the weirdest characters ever to take stage, but it caught on, then he came out in the suit and the classic style and then became the fame situation, you know, looking so dapper, then Bowie goes into film, as has other Find artists like mick jagger and such and immediately and i think a lot of it has to do with being on stage in front of hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of people and doing things live he suddenly is like an incredible actor and every time he steps in and he goes in to be a thespian it works for him like it worked for jagger and other people david bowie is a trendsetter and somebody that played a big role in music and um yeah i'm sorry he passed 69 died of
1: cancer you know it's crazy He kept it on the DL too. No one knew. He was a real professional towards the end. That guy, you could get him in a room and lock that door, and he could talk for 20 hours. I bet. About his experience. Look who he came up with. He came up with the best of the best. Oh he, my God. He wasn't hanging out with these mooks today. He was walking around with Elton and John Lennon. No offense to the mooks today, but you're so freaking right. He was when you walking say that. around with fucking Eric Clapton. Yeah. And they were fucking each other's wives and partying and snorting and See? banging heroin.
0: It's crazy. That's yeah. what rock stars were supposed to be,
1: though, man. Like today, it bothers me that my
0: son's going to come up in a generation of just. I don't know what you want to call it, cookie-cutter music. It, I don't feel like well, we have not- legends at all. And and maybe every generation feels that. Maybe every generation looks at the rock stars of 20 or 30 years before and go, man, those guys were harder, those guys did it better. Well, but, man, I... Were, like, uh, is anyone going to be like, man, that Chad Kroger from Nickelback, he really did things right.
2: I... <laughs> I think you're right, and people are going to look at that just like we look on World War II generation as the greatest generation of all generations because of what historically they went through. But here in a situation like today, with all respect to today's artists, back then you could understand the lyrics. Somebody sang, I understand what they're saying. I hear every word pretty much for the most part. The musical, uh, excuse me, the music that goes along with it. It's today's generation only knows what today's generation knows. They don't know anything else. I I will tell you that. Unless they want to historically dig dig and get in there.
0: The 80s rock scene was the last generation of rock that had rebels.
2: I used to hang, as I've said it before in the show, Joey, back in the uh, 75 and the early 80s. I lived in Malibu. And occasionally, because my dad had a connection at the Hyatt House next to the comedy store, which they used to call the Riot House. I used to live there. I would go take my girlfriends and we would shack up for the three day weekends, the two day weekends. One time the road came down on the coast highway. I could not get to my house. I would have to do the two hour detour around the valley to get there. What did I do? I put myself up the high. I lived there for two months, Joey. You know, The greatest thing in the world, I could leave my house, go to work, and my bed was made when I got home. And I had room service, and of course every other pleasure that went with it. But I used to watch Santana go in and out of there, and Led Zeppelin staying there, and you know, I happened to be there, staying, and and hear that, you know. And there were some antics. It was crazy times back then. And what did I do every Friday night? I was at the comedy store, Joey. I grew up at the comedy store. I grew up at the Westwood comedy store when, when David Letterman was hosting all the shows. We talked about this on your show when I was on your show. I used to see uh, Robin Williams and 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 guys would come in. He'd, it'd be amazing the great comics would come in as you do to test your material. When you go to a comedy store, you're not always working to make a dollar. You're sometimes no, no, there to no, test no, your material, right? Testing. Yeah. And I, some of these guys, what is it, fifty dollars a set or whatever? Fifteen. Fifteen a set. Yeah. And you're there doing your thing. Joey, I could, I would go to the comedy store as much as three times a week. It was incredible. And when I took a date, and I've said this before on the show, kiddingly so, to laugh and do all that during that two, three hours, that set up the whole end of the evening, which is what we all wanted, which was a great amorous end of the evening. Thank you, comedians, for helping me succeed more in my social life. You know, And I have this bucket list thing, which I talked to Tony Hitchcliffe. He wants to write material for me. But I am going to do a 10-minute stand-up bit before I die.
0: I have to. You need to wanting... do it before the
2: end of the year. Yeah, that's what I, you really
1: need to do. I've been wanting to do this for since my 20s. What your 20th anniversary party? We'll, we'll have you I, up there I and goof on Dana. I got well. I don't know about Dana, that. Dana. That could be the kiss of death. <laughs> goof on the Fratini brothers and the whole fucking deal. You know, <laughs> John phones left team. at the door. We'll, we'll confiscate yeah, everything.
2: Phones, phones left at the door. But it's one of the things I want to do. We'll talk about it, and um, you know, I, I would I would really love to do that. But anyway, all my best to David Bowie's family, his loved ones, everything, and
1: thank you for all the
2: entertainment that you've given us over the years is incredible.
1: It's funny because whenever I watch a fight and Big John or whatever, you always put your hand on the one on their armpits with mm-hmm. the microphone. I'm always asking, if I know Bruce Buffett, I wonder if he tells Big John to make sure he wears deodorant this week because <laughs> I got to fucking have this suit on for the rest of the fucking night. You ever get onion on your fucking suit <laughs> when you're playing basketball? You get an armpit on your yeah, shoulder? Yeah. You got to wash it off 18 times with gasoline and yeah, shit? And, yep. So I, whenever I see that, I always make a giggle to myself about it. Well, and yeah. sometimes the pay-per-views come in and their feet appear really yellow.
2: Like everybody in the UFC <laughs> That's has. That's true. Oh, yeah. my
1: God. There's some telecast that their feet look like they're fucking yellow. Like they got, like, a, not fungi, but some other disease. Impelago, like, whatever the fuck Michael Jackson had. Oompa-lapa feet. oompa <laughs> feet. It's hysterical. Some episodes of the UFC, their feet are just so fucked up. And you're like, why am I watching this shit? But <laughs> You know lighting. All I know about John
2: uh, Don't know about that so much is that I used to jump back from John And I used to do the jump back after I would be at the refs It's because in the early days John used to step on my foot Every time And I jumped back real quick to get away from that Step back he would do with that 280 pound body Stepping on my foot It wasn't fun So that's why I used to jump back from John But um, do you watch the Golden Globes this weekend at all?
1: I watched uh, Ricky Gervais' monologue That's it so hilarious fucking hilarious
2: i mean who is like fucking
1: him? hilarious dog did you see when mel gibson went up stage and he asked no, him no, i didn't watch all he, that part he
2: basically asked him as gibson's up there he goes well can you tell me what sugar tits means you know it's like only ricky gervais maybe you could pull that off he okay is,
1: i said it on my podcast last night I played the this i love him i love his comedy i love his delivery i don't know if he writes his material but i love it i love how he punishes them Punish punishes them for being fucking dummies. It's like the English Don Rickles, but maybe oh even worse. Oh my God! He yeah. punishes them for being dummies, and they sit around. You know, politically correctness is destroying us. I always feel if you ate somebody's ass at one time or another in your life, you can't be politically correct. Like no. that, and everybody's eating somebody's ass or somebody's pussy. So what's with what the fucking politically <laughs> correct? You know, unless you're fifty, you've never sucked a dick, and you're a female, then you could say ill. But until then, what's with the fucking politically correctness? It's destroying us. It's getting more well, people it's, fired. Well, it's causing people to become
0: oversensitive. And, you know, I think if you live in this PC world and you finally, you know, come across someone who doesn't really have boundaries, it's shocking to you. And, and for some reason, you know, it it, it's, it tends to rub I people the wrong I way. I don't, I don't
1: get
2: it. Well, here, here's an example of uh, call it political correctness, call it the modern issues that are going on in society. Last week I got tmz for the umpteenth time. Coming out of the gym, they go, listen, did you hear about, it was on the TV show too, did you hear about what Mayweather said about uh, Ronda and uh, McGregor? How the fact that they're so popular, and they say the same things he does, where he's looked at as being arrogant and cocky, but they're looked at as being popular. He said it's because they're white. He was declaring a racism situation. And I'm like, you know, I answered it very simply. Why pour gasoline on the fire when there's some serious racism issues going on in this country? The bottom line is, you know, Floyd, all respect to you, I've known you for years, I don't care if you're black, white, red, blue, or purple. I just said it that way. You will be perceived because perception is reality by the masses. Okay? Bottom line, you walked away with 300 million last year. They didn't walk away with 300 million. They walked away with millions, and you're sitting here complaining about their more popularity because they're white. You got your values wrong on this one, Floyd.
1: That doesn't fit my pistol. Am I wrong? The racists. I read something on Facebook the other day accusing Tina Fey of being feminine. Listen. Tina Fey being feminine, she's a woman. Go get a fucking life. That's what I tell all those people. And they use a bunch of big words to show you how intelligent they are, how racist. You know what? If you have a life, that shit goes right off your shoulder. Mm -hmm. If you have a life, it's like the other day, And Santos, it's March. Right. It's March. Right. What are you doing today, January 11th? Are you worried about January 11th? That's the most important thing in my fucking world. Today. I don't know nothing about this shit. I don't know nothing. And I don't fucking want to care. You talked about politics. I got felonies, so I don't give a fuck. You know, the fact that Trump is going to win, I have nothing. I have no ill will against the guy. I was going to ask you what you thought about Donald Trump. I have no ill will against the guy. He's talking shit and he's getting to some people. And them capturing those fucking Syrian refugees in Sacramento and Houston helped his cause. He ain't talking shit. To mm-hmm. so some people, they still have values, and that's what he's picking on. You see what these people look like. You're gonna honestly listen. How much long every every four years we vote as Americans to get fucked in the ass? That's it. We had Clinton. You gonna you want Cruz to be your president? Really? That fucking Bernie guy that looks like he's 92 going on. He's got one foot in the grave. Hillary, she looks like she's dust. (laughs) So uh, what are we going to do? Already you made a bad choice with Obama. Now you're all running away. I remember eight years ago, everybody changed. Everybody was jumping up and down because he got the racist card. So all you and your white friends could vote so you could prove to your other barbecue friends that you're not racist. What did that fucking get you? Right. What did that get you? Every fucking four years, you're just getting fucked in the ass. So what's the big difference? What's the fucking difference? Is, is there even a right choice? I mean, Bush, he ran this country into the ground.
2: Then Obama takes it over. He's got more problems to deal with than s- since 7-Up. And it's like he can't even cure all those in the eight years he's been in. Now we got another choice coming up. What I'm finding with Trump, and I mentioned this before. I've got to be repetitive on the show. We live in a TMZ generation. The people go, they don't look at CNN, they don't look at, the, they'll go to TMZ, and I'm a victim of that myself once in a while, okay? Once the, in a while? Yeah, well, the bottom line is I can look at three different sites in 20 minutes, not just one, so, and I'm intelligent enough to read all of them. So the the thing is, is that when people go in that booth, Joey, and I, I've been, I'll, I've, been the, I've been this way, I've gone in that booth and turned the page, and I don't know who the hell this person is. I don't know what's going on in this this choice for this new school budget choice. You know, I didn't read up on it, and I refuse to vote unless I know what's happening. But there's, 70, there's people that go in there and they go, hmm, Sanders, hmm, Cruz. Oh, Donald Trump. Yeah, right? It's a TMZ vote. Are they getting voted in because it's truly a political decision? I don't know. We'll see what happens. But maybe the country does need a shocker. Maybe we need this kind of thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm saying because I'm up in the air about it, Joey. They,
1: they love him. The media pushes them. The media loves them. They, got they to, tell you whatever the fuck the they ratings. want. Ratings. They're not giving yeah. nobody else that much exposure. Where do you get a presidential they're debate giving, where you get
2: 25 plus million people watching yeah, the debate when it's giving, normally three?
1: Where do you get that? And, hey, and you've got six duds up there. Those guys are duds.
2: If, We're in trouble. Personality wise? Yeah. They're duds. They're politicians.
0: If Hulk Hogan was running opposite Donald Trump, he would be getting the same media c- exposure. We we, well, we you know, like to watch the people
1: so For some people, they think he's dumb or whatever. But for some people, he's tapping into some valid points in their world. He is tapping into valid points, but there's very few people that are willing to talk
2: about how they see those valid points, such as you're voicing yourself right now, because they're politically corrected, scared. They don't know what to say. People don't have the balls to stand out in front and say what they believe these days. There are people that are like that, you're like that, I'm like that. TJ's open spoken in our own little room here. But as far as when you're worried about, am I gonna get fired tomorrow morning,
1: or my friend's gonna hate me, but this is the way I feel. Speak about the way you feel. Listen, you got two types of people, and this is the way I was raised. You got the people that sit there and behind closed doors go, them fucking Mexicans and them Russians. Taking our fucking jobs, them Mexicans taking our construction jobs, or you could say I'm an American. Nobody takes my fucking job. Or I'm going to go out work a fucking Mexican and not Russian. You can't say that. Well, then let me let because go with- you're too busy with your phone. When you see a Mexican mowing a lawn, you see him with his iPhone. No, you're too busy with the phone. God forbid you can't look at your phone and and you know we we, we oh, the selfie so many, generation. We have goodness. so many distractions in our lives. But then again, we tap out. As, as Americans, we're going, well, these people are taking our jobs. Because Americans, you've got to be better than them. Well,
2: we're also forgetting the fundamentals of how of where we grew up and how we came from. And I'll give you an example of a fundamental, Joey, in my own life. In 1974, I was 16, 17 years old. And aside from lifeguarding, before I, I got into that, I was busboying at, uh, in Malibu, at the old Malibu Inn and at the, at the Paradise Cove uh, restaurant down in Paradise Cove. I was one of the last. and I'm just saying this is racist. This is not a racist statement. I'm making an observation. Back then, as a young Caucasian boy, we all grabbed jobs as busboys and did stuff like that. And when you look around the restaurants that you go to now, it's not always the case. You know, When I, if I when Henry and Rupert get old enough, my, my godson and my nephew, one of the things I'm going to push them in is something that helped shape me. Get a job as a busboy. That's almost like a telemarketing job. As a 14, 15-year-old kid, you learn a lot about people. And you learn how to bust your butt, you know, lifting dishes and doing what you got to do. This is a key job. I don't see a lot of, and again, do I sound racist when I'm saying this? I don't see a lot of Caucasian uh, young boys, you know, 15 and 14 or. 16. What has
1: happened to that? I, why is that? Well, Tell I, me I, why it is mostly Latino? and Tell They want to
2: work. They want to work. And I give them all the credit in the word. Am I wrong? DJ?
1: I'm not going to wash dishes for eight dollars an hour. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. eight dollars an hour. Don't do nothing for me. Yep. Why is this guy? Why is this little brown five foot six thing? Feeding the family of two with eight bucks an hour. Okay, doing maybe, his part. Doing his part. I want you to think about that. When I go to a restaurant, I fucking the first guy I talk to is the busboy, mm-hmm. because I'm a busboy at heart. I palm First money. thing I say is I call him Primo, because they're all Spanish like me. So I call him Primo just to give him attention and say hello, make him feel like something.
2: And if they do a good job, Joey, I'll put a buck in their hand or something like you that. Know, you know, something. Something. A a five, tip, something. Yeah, something.
1: Uh, you know, why aren't we doing this? How come he can make it live? You know. I I live in Studio City. Sometimes I go to the Target in North Hollywood in fucking 90-degree heat, and you could say whatever the fuck you want. I see a Mexican woman that's pregnant pushing a kid with another kid in the front, and she's doing just fine with a bag of groceries. Meanwhile, your cunt wife needs a Range Rover just to go to fucking yoga. Where the fuck are we slipping as Americans? We've forgotten our priorities. I get up early and I go to a coffee shop and write. Not a Starbucks, just an independent thing. Mm -hmm. I see how half these fucking women act in Studio City. How they double park and don't give a fuck about your car. You know, it's just... Sense of entitlement. We've become something else that you know we complain about the mexicans but we don't take their jobs none of our nobody's raising their kid to go hey next summer you're gonna get a job doing construction mm-hmm. or oh, it's too hard the mexicans got it locked up they work too hard that's the key word we don't want to work no more that's all i know in my life is to work hard what's that thing what's that movement years ago that they were doing to occupy take over? wall street yeah remember they were living down, down downtown in tents occupy electronics and shit they couldn't commit because what they were occupying they had in their pocket. Mm -hmm. How can you occupy anything if you got a fucking cell phone, an iPhone in your pocket?
0: I remember somebody went out and actually proved a point. They're saying, oh, you're talking about boycotting the 1%. And they're like, oh, yeah, let me show you these facts. And it's like,
1: you're doing it on an iPad. On an iPad. What the fuck are you talking about? We can't even stick, we can't even get organized no more for a fucking movement. Mm -hmm. That's how bad we are as Americans. You say what you want, at least those hippies waited for those Vietnam vets and threw eggs at them over whatever the fuck they did. It wasn't right. right? But at least they believed in their movement. These suckers don't believe in shit.
2: I think the bottom line of what we're actually saying here is that we're talking about the principles that made this country great, the principles that helped us get to where we're at today, technology's interfering with a lot of that, yet it's really great to have technology, so it's kind of a catch-22. But the bottom line is, is that morality is going to hell in a handbasket in this country. The, the Even, the even, and we talk about this in the show because I'm big about it, I'm a white knight, I'm a gentleman. You even talk to girls and ask them how often the guys open the doors for them when they get in the car, How the, going into the restaurant, you know, simple little things. Where are we going to be in 20 years, Joey? Is it going to get better or
1: is it going to get worse? It's going to get worse because we live in a, in a society, everybody's in their fucking computer. Go to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Take your wife next week. Go to a million-level restaurant. Not Applebee's where you're shitting blood for two weeks. (laughs) I want you to go to a medium-level restaurant. Nice entrees, $18, $22 entrees, maybe a $28 entree. Look around the restaurant in between fucking service. People aren't even talking to each other. Mm -mm. Your wife's got her phone, and you got your fucking Mm -mm. phone like a jerk-off. I don't have Facebook on my phone. I don't have nothing on my phone. I don't use my phone for no FaceTime. If you text me, you're going to live in hell. Because I don't get those texts till nighttime, don't I? Know <laughs> I, I'm an old school guy. Gotcha. Your business is phone, right? I get uh, I get people hitting me on text for business. I don't return that call mm-hmm. at all, at all. Because if you're that fucking stupid to text me about business, I don't want to do business with you. Right. Years ago, there was a again lessons of our life. When I was a kid, my friend owns Mister Big's sandwich shop in Hoboken, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And he was working tons of hours, and he was teaching me how to gamble. You know, those, those football cards. i not forget this. I must have been the sixth grade. I used, to, used to pass him out in high school, Joey. And I said to him, dog, why are you always here? And he goes, I can't find no help. And I go, what do you mean? I've been here for 20 minutes, and three people fill out applications. He goes, ah. And he got up, and he went and got a handful of applications. And on the application was a box. Remember the box? Don't check the box unless the box is checked. Right. He goes, look how many people right in the box without them. I can't hire. Them. Yeah. I always remembered that. I always remembered that thing. I took it to heart, the little details to pay attention, to listen. Mm-hmm. Little things like that, that that lesson right there, why he didn't hire people. Just because they did that fucking box. It's a subliminal lesson. lesson I'm the a same way. Yeah. If you text me for work, I don't want to do business. If you're that stupid, everybody knows. You text me if you want your dick sucked or if I want my dick sucked. We're doing some work. You call me like a man. Nobody remembers that printer commercial years ago, six, seven years ago, the guy come on. So it's giving out plane tickets to people, and the guy's like, what are we doing? You're going back on the road. We've forgotten. Right. We've forgotten what work is. We've forgotten. Everything's done with a fax, email. Mm. We're going back to hand-to-hand combat. Here.
2: And and also, too, with reality television, thinking people are, are becoming artistically inclined or talented because they're famous for being famous, which is not what... Truly what an entertainer is all about. We're losing the, we're losing touch with what talent really is in why, this world.
1: Why would I go to my Yahoo page? I go to see what's going on in the world of UFC, and the first articles are about Kylie Jenner. Some 18-year-old little confused motherfucker that somebody gives a fuck about. Kylie Jenner, the kid, the young kid. I know. Okay? That's the first three articles, how Tigger cheated on it. I don't even know what Tigger looks like or who the fuck Tigger is. I wouldn't know Tigger if I stepped on him. Okay? That's the problem. We give a fuck about shit that's got nothing to do with our lives. Mm
0: -hmm. There's a big difference, I think, too, um, when it comes to notoriety and true fame. And it does not take much to become notable. You know, it can be a viral video and all of a sudden. You think I'm mad?
1: You think I'm mad at Kim Kardashian? You think I'm fucking mad at Kim Kardashian? I don't think Kim Kardashian opened a hole and ran with that hole. I'm Mm -hmm. not the asshole. The people that contribute to that are Thank the assholes. You. Thank you. That's who's the assholes. Thank the you. people that contribute to that. She's capitalizing She's on capitalizing it. She's capitalizing on to. it. Yeah. She mm-hmm. wakes up every morning and goes, how am I going to trend number one? That's how bad of a bitch she is. Right. Her goal every day is to trend number one. Right. Take a picture with a bikini top in front of some ice cream store. She's trending number fucking one. Right. That's her job every day. Right. You can't get upset at anyone. At anybody for, who takes advantage. It's yeah, just it a shame turn.
2: that that's where we've come. But then, if you want to go back even further before technology, when you look at the days of Marilyn Monroe and Jane Mansfield and some of these other girls, they were making their living the same way, which is basically T N A. How do I sell it? Where although you know Marilyn Monroe was talented compared to most people, whether they say yes or not, but you still were. De- we were dealing with the same thing back then, but just in a different, complex light than what we see it in today. It's so
1: funny. Some I, I told a story on a podcast about a month ago, and people said I was a piece of shit for doing that. When I was in college, do you know I sold a membership to the mafia? For what? Oh, the cigars? No, 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 no. no. Some kid kept bothering me in Boulder, asking me if I knew anybody in the mafia, that he wanted to be in the mafia. And I <laughs> said, yeah, I know a guy in Brooklyn that's going to cost you like two grand. Do you know he gave me the two grand? You scammed him for the two grand? I had to take it, because if you're that stupid. Yeah. I took the two grand from him and I gave him an application. From you know how you go to Kinko's and buy a package of application? Sure, yeah. Let's do I it all bought the time. I a package for 99 cents and gave him one. And this dunce filled it out and I gave him a P.O. box to send it to and he sent it. And every time I'd see him for a year, he'd go, I never heard from nobody. Don't worry about nothing. They called me last week. <laughs> Nikki's going to call <laughs> you next week. I had to steal his two grand because if you're that stupid, then you deserve, you deserve to be, to be you deserve fucking clipped. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to raise that, who the fuck raised this kid? Who raised you? Not, uh, he came up to me, bothered me for three months. Finally, one morning, one of my coming down off Coke, when you're as creative as fuck to make money, because when I was coming down off Coke, I could rob anybody. I could that's when I used to go to drug dealers and say, listen, give me an eight ball, I'll be here at eight in the morning. And they give it to me and I go, It's five thirty. Right. And I just got an eight ball. What makes you think I'm gonna come here, back here at eight with three hundred dollars for you? If you're that stupid, and I remember going, Jesus Christ, this kid keeps bothering me for fucking a mob membership. So he gave him what he wanted. I called him. I go, you still want to be in the mob? Yeah. Meet me this afternoon. The guy called me back. He sent me an application. I remember handwriting over it. Mafia. I mean, Joey. this is how Mafia. fucking dumb. Joey, one of the
2: greatest, if you want to call him comedians or comic actor, comic actors or people in that genre ever, was a man named W.C. Fields. And W.C. Fields made a movie called There's a Sucker Born Every Minute. Okay, there's a sucker born every minute, Joey. This is how salespeople have made their livings, do you name it, and the term of, to be, go through life is called buyer beware, you know? They have to be able to handle their own stuff. You want to pull a little clipping, the little scam, that's your prerogative, your choice, as long as you're not breaking the law, whatever the case might be. Um, but you know what? Buyer beware, baby. We got to handle ourselves, and that's where what we're talking about is not preparing people, the young generation, for when they come up against wise guys and I don't mean mafia wise guys I mean wise people like you or people out there they're gonna take every dollar they can from them because they can you know so street experience and experience you can get learning how to get through this life I think it's all ever so important one thing we talk about on the show Joey is the government again we believe that you know look we're in trouble we don't have a lot of money I and mean, we have money but we're, we're in debt this country is in major major debt and they're going after people for their taxes doing everything We talk, or I talk, and preach legal legislation and taxation of three things. Marijuana, nationwide, done by the federal government so that it's equal in every state, not state by state, but the laws stay the same in every state. Um, Prostitution, I believe prostitution should be legalized. Both these items, and the third item, online poker, not sports betting. I have my own personal reason for that. But those three categories, online poker, prostitution, and marijuana should be legalized because, A, it'll take it out of the hands of the bad people right? B, tax the hell out of it. C, take the dreck off the streets, the dealers dealing on the streets of marijuana, prostitution, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so no one's getting shot in the head at the deli. Yeah, so no one's getting shot in the head at the deli, shall we say. And give the people what they want. I mean, prostitution's been around since day one. As long as fighting's been around, if not before, it's not going to go away. Well, I mean, this human trafficking
0: thing, that blew my mind. I didn't realize how big of a deal that thing is right now.
2: And that's where I was going with that, too, because then we have the human trafficking problem in this, which enters the realm of the prostitution. You know, we got to battle that, too. Now, I'm not a play-for-pay kind of guy, but I believe, whether you practice it or not, these are three big things, and it would bring in hundreds, if not more, million, hundreds of millions of millions of dollars into the government that the government's not getting now and take it out of the hands of the bad people. How do you feel about those three categories? I don't know. Really? You're on the fence?
1: I'm on the fence.
2: Where? With all three or just with one?
1: You know, I've gambled mm-hmm. and... Thank God I didn't get my shirt handled to me, but I had friends who had their fucking lives changed at 19. Remember, when we only talking about online poker, not sports betting. 19. Okay. You know, prostitution, I'm not a fan of at all. I don't know what to do with a prostitute. I'm nervous. I don't even know where to fucking start. Right. Uh, years ago, they talked me into testosterone. Oh, all you those, taking testosterone? all those assholes were like, you need testosterone. 400 fucking pounds. And <laughs> I got so fucking horny, I would hang out outside <laughs> massage parlors in Studio City and try to talk myself into going and getting a blowjob when my wife was pregnant. I could never do it. Oh, the I God. I could never do it. What a visual that is. Marijuana is a fucking drug, no matter how you call it, no matter what the extent of it, gateway. I don't know any about that stuff. I smoke it 80 fucking times a day. I love it. There's always something. Look at this girl that got shot last week. Mm-hmm. That's because of marijuana in some way or another, some form, whatever. God pulls the trigger on anybody every anyway. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. I, I'm on the fence. I went to Denver. I, lived, I went to college in Boulder. I lived in Boulder. I did time in Boulder. I got married in Boulder. I got divorced in Boulder. I lived in Boulder. I went back, and everybody's fucking high. Mm-hmm. In Denver, everybody's fucking hot. Do you
2: think that's because of the recent legalization?
1: No, I just, I don't know. It just looked weird to me. You know, this is something that you dreamt about like a uh, one of your fucked up dreams, and now it's here, and it's doing great in Denver. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, the, the uh, fucking people getting tax returns that don't even smoke pot, the housing, the construction's booming because people want to move there. So you're saying you've seen the benefits since stuff. I gone. see the okay. fucking benefits. Yeah. I see the benefits. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how a fucking sack of shit like Governor Christie is still like, oh, it's whatever. You know, there's all these idiots that have that, and they're allowed to have that. I'm mm-hmm. going to Charlotte, North Carolina to start this tour. Right. No matter what you slice it, that's a Bible belt. They'll be laughing for about 11 minutes. Then they realize what they're, what they're about, and they taper off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Always happens to me when I go to the Bible Belt. And I've seen other comics that are a little edgy, too. The, the first 11 minutes, they're laughing. I but lived that, in I lived in the Bible Belt. I grew up partially
2: in Dallas, yeah, Texas. But I then got they, you. Then yeah.
1: they realize where they're at and what they're from. And that's mm-hmm. what this country, you know, how come drugs didn't get passed in Florida last year? Oh. Miami, Fort London, West Palm. How the fuck didn't weed legalize? Because there's still people that think about 1920,
2: mm-hmm. and prohibition. You're and saying, Prohibition,
1: yes. No, no. They just their minds are in 1920. Yeah. Weed is still the fucking devil.
2: Yeah, I'd say to the 60 weed plus generation. Still the devil. Yeah, yeah. And
1: yeah. weed, nobody knows the powers of marijuana until a loved one gets cancer in today's society, and they see how the marijuana lets them eat and takes away the pain, and they think it's. But in some you know, worlds. They don't think there's such a thing as medical marijuana. Between you and I, me neither. Ten years ago, but over the years, I've seen people medical marijuana stores that need it a lot more than I do. I'm doing it because I'm insecure. They're doing it because they really need it to eat or to get their appetite back or to stop with the headaches.
2: The medicinal values. The
1: medicinal values of it. Do I, did I believe in them ten years ago? Now, now I'm seeing it. I know a mom that struggles with a child with epilepsy and seizures. Ever since she's been ingesting marijuana once a day, you don't get the seizures no more. This is from the fucking mother. This ain't from the kid or high times. This is from the fucking mother. I didn't know you could actually treat seizures with weed. So this is why a lot of people, they have the CBDs now. They have the weed now that doesn't get you hot. I got two joints at the house that will not get you hot. What, is it just the feeling of smoking It's just it? a, no. It's just the nutrients from it. It's the rebuilding. The It's just what these people now with the CBDs. There's a company that's making CBDs for dogs and cats. This
2: is Dog the, bones. But this is the aspect of the legalization that I'm really touching on because. This is what I'm
1: touching on. This is on. what I'm touching Now, like- I don't see a medicinal value for a fucking hooker coming over your house, sucking your dick and giving you chlamydia. You know? <laughs> okay? There's a, uh, they have to do it the right way. The bitches got to get checked up. You know, I've had him on the podcast, and I love him dearly, but nobody foams from the mouth from eating somebody's pussy. There's got to be something wrong with your pussy if I'm foaming from the fucking mouth, unless we put an Alka-Seltzer in there. We you put an alka in the chick's pussy when you're doing coke in the 80s, and the pussy be foaming, and your mouth be foaming? It's a fucking party. But, you know, you got to... Where's you, the video? If you got a hooker, oh if you got a hooker of a... Uh, and, and she's making uh, whatever, LeVar Odom fucking foam from the mouth... That's not good. So you got to put them in a building. They all got to get radiation on let their pussy. Me, let they me. They all got to be on antibiotics. Okay, that's
2: good. So you know let that me, shit. Let me interject a little more knowledge of what I'm saying. A little more reasoning behind what I'm saying. As far as the marijuana side, I want. I don't want kids. anybody allowed to buy this until they're 21 and over. Just like. It should fall fall under properly. I'm more for the medicinal aspects and just that you're pointing on. And I'm for taking it off the streets, taking the profits out of the bad guys, putting it all into the government and being regulated properly. I don't want corner dispensers where you can walk up with a buck and a card and and pull a a joint out of the machine because you know what? The kids are going to be doing that within two weeks. I don't want that. But I do want it legalized to where if you're okay to get it for whatever reasoning, you're allowed to get it. Prostitution. Prostitution is legal in other countries, such as, if I'm not mistaken, Germany and such, where they do have the houses. The girls are not on the streets. They're tested every week. The guys that need to do this, more power to them. They're, why go and, and get it in, the, in your car in the corner you know, where the cop can walk on you or you're getting a disease? You know, The potential thereof for all the variables that can happen. Regulate it. Police it. Tax it. That's how I see it
1: like that like the 1040 club when i was a kid and call it the 1040 it was club 99 1040 with tax there you go there that's you go. the case so 41 cents for tax went to the state of new york and the 1040 Club supposedly still open in New York City. And somewhere in the Bronx, somewhere people Or still moving dying. from place to place. Moving from place to place.
2: So now we get to the online poker. I'm a semi-pro poker player. I live in a good living playing online. I know kids that were mathematical geniuses that were making hundreds of thousands of dollars doing what they did. It is considered a game of skill. I'm all for legalization of online poker and, again, taxation. Because I think they estimated one time it would bring something in the area of like a billion dollars in income to the government. Well, I just we don't know how you it. can't do sports betting then. I don't. The reason I don't do sports betting is he touched on it too. And this is firmly what I believe because I've seen it. I have the ability to bet a football game and control myself. I only really play poker, but I like a little action on a football game. When I'm in Vegas and I can go make a legal bet, okay? Here and you get a high school kid, and you can say 21 and over and only. Those kids can still get a hold of their own credit cards, their parents' credit cards, God knows what, whatever. And... They get in to start betting, which is the worst kind of betting you do, which is sports betting, because you might as well just throw a coin in the yeah, air. But they can do it. the same thing in, in online poker. No, no, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no. yes. Are you an online poker player? You do play poker.
0: I played have poker. I played a, online poker. Have before? you ever
2: made a living playing online poker?
0: No, but but here's the point: you're still going to have people that go online, play fifty bucks, lose, and then they're going to put in a hundred, lose, put in two hundred, lose, put in five hundred, lose.
2: They they will well, again. They need to learn, and again, poker is. How
0: is that different though than sports? It's
2: different than. It, I here's the difference. Hear my here what I'm about to say, mm-hmm. okay? Because you can break it down. And you can you can go against me in, in a million different ways. Just hear this one explanation. We'll leave it at this. You get a kid. They're betting. They're they're betting the football games, the hockey games, the basketball games. the this, that, and the other. They don't know what they're betting. The horses. Are, I even have a problem. The government allows horse race betting, but they don't allow. Sports betting, that's an hypocrisy. That's a catch twenty two. What it's what skill is there beyond handicapping horse racing, right? Where five horses or, or whatever die supposedly a year on the tracks of America and training and otherwise. I heard that statistic a while back that has nothing to do with the betting. But it's horses running around a track. You might as well bet on dog racing. There's no it's it's a game of chance. That's not what I'm the, talking about. Poker can be sit back and yes, there's a twenty percent luck factor, but it's not the same endangerment. As I see in sports betting, from what I've seen, sure. people's lives ruined by sports betting. I've it's seen because it.
0: they're gamblers. I mean, I, my so thing is, so you prevent is,
2: the gamblers from gambling in the way. I just don't. I, I'm just not. Go to Vegas. Go to a sports book. Whatever. If that was rampant, I guarantee the problems that could come out of that are much, much, much worse you, you than keep, any problems you can possibly imagine. From an online,
0: you keep talking action. about skill though. Like my skill would be much better at betting on MMA than it would be
2: playing poker i sit at a poker table and i have the skill to read the personalities around that table and mathematic knowledge in my head to be able to deduct what the mathematical odds of my calling that that bet or not or going up against you and putting all my money in and pushing you off a good hand when i have the worst Mm -hmm. hand That's a game of skill those are the same game game
0: of skill of me watching carlos condig his old fights and and robbie lawler's fights and then having a good idea of how those two are going to fight
2: and go hmm i'm going to take the over on three and a half rounds if you want to relate it to fighting that is one category that, based on your expertise, you'd be able to do really good in. And I don't think really applies the same rule as betting on the football games. You're talking about one person But there are other people that are
0: that are big
1: football fans. Let's though. be honest here. Vegas don't get bigger because motherfuckers are winning. Okay? Well, so who gives a fuck? Right. You Eventually, know, you're going to win three MMA cards and you're going to lose six of them. Sure. The odds are always against you. And with poker, you're going to fucking lose two. You know, you I, are. There's I, it. it don't matter. Vegas gives, give, you know, you talk to these jerk loss every week. I went to Vegas and won a thousand. Really? Everybody won a thousand dollars, but Vegas is getting bigger and bigger. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, but they don't tell you about Vegas, the 10 yeah. times they lost 10,000. Vegas ain't in business to lose money. You get well, taken every fucking week. Speaking of Vegas,
2: Vegas lost, uh Nevada Casinos Industry lost $662 million last year and has been in the red now consistently for six years. They hit bottom in 2009 when they posted a loss of 6800000 million. I'm reading this, folks. Uh, it's not that the casinos don't bring in plenty of cash. The two hundred seventy one casinos collected a hefty twenty four point six billion last year. Wow. Right? According to the Game and Control Board. That's up from twenty one billion in two thousand ten. Here's the problem. Visitors now versus the old days of Vegas are spending more money on restaurants, booze, and glitzy shows, you know, such as Jennifer Lopez or Britney Spears or Chris Angel. But gambling spending is way down. Now, it used to be the casinos made their money. The hotels made their money because of their casinos, right? Now they're making the money because of the nightclubs and the pool parties. That's where the major income and revenue is coming in, aside from, like they said, their restaurants and everything else. So the strip's at a hall time r- high in revenue, driven by rental of hotel rooms, which is the second biggest spending category behind gambling, and the retail environment. But gaming is, is lagging, and now they're actually losing money because people are
1: having fun, but they're not gambling. Well, here's right the problem. To. Have you been to Harris in San Diego? Uh, yes, I have, actually. It's fucking beautiful. Beautiful. So yes. if I'm a degenerate gambler, uh huh, what, what difference does it make when I lose 20 in Vegas or in San Diego? I'm saving the 300 for the fucking plane ticket.
2: With a five-hour drive. And I
1: could use that to fucking gamble. No, I won't even do that no more. Mm-hmm. That's the other problem, that you go to these places, and if you're a real degenerate gambler, you know what? I'm not going to go to fucking Vegas. You know, you and I have seen something that we saw. Personally, we both saw in Vegas. Six, seven years ago, Chuck Liddell days when you were fighting, Friday they went from the way in the casino hopped. Mm-hmm. The casino was hopping all mm-hmm. night. What, 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 what have we seen now? Lights. We see people. It's empty, mm-hmm. and Saturday morning, the lines are long. People are flying in Saturday morning for the UFC now. They said, fuck Friday. What are we going to go Friday for? Lose five, get drunk, and then be hungover on Saturday. Let's stay home. I'll eat my wife's asshole, and then I'll fly in Saturday, first flight out, and get to Vegas at 11 o'clock. I've seen it more. They've taken away that night. You've lost that night now. Mm -hmm. That night was a huge night that you couldn't lose. Now they go to the Wayans. They're not staying at the MGM Grand or the other one. They're staying across fucking town trying to save money there. Yeah everybody you know what i'm saying like and they bang you out vegas and every fucking step of the way don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but that's the biggest killer of vegas i think people are still gambling well you people are still gambling
2: they're still gambling you you brought up a salient point there's over there's thousands not hundreds there's thousands of indian casinos on indian land here in this country thousands which does not pay taxes there's Probably thousands of other regulated casinos that the government do- does allow to live, like Harrah's in San Diego. And I remember when the first thing started, back when you and I were kids, and Atlantic City allowed gambling. I remember that, yeah. And that killed Vegas for a little bit, because the East Coast were going to Atlantic City, you know, whether you like
1: the casinos they had there or not. They sucked, but in they New York City, you got there at 8 in the morning, you pay $15, they give you a bag. You get on the bus, they take it to Atlantic City, two-hour drive. And then when you get to Vegas, they give you the fifteen back and quarters and the free tickets for a bunch of shit. You mean when you get to Atlantic City? When you get to yeah. Atlantic City, they gave you the fifteen back and quarters. It was free to drive down there, but there was a catch. You had to stay for eight hours. That's right. So if you lost at one o'clock, we don't give a fuck. You gotta wait for the five You're o'clock bus. Yeah. I used to You're go to stuck.
2: I used to go to the Riviera Hotel back when I was gambling in the casinos when I was eighteen. My dad was what they call boss gambler, and we were always taken care of by the Riviera, which was the casino. That's where they filmed the movie Casino and filmed a bunch of movies. It's actually being torn down this year, if not torn down already. It's torn down. It's torn they down. They blew it up. They yeah. did blow it up. Okay, so they imploded it, and that's gone. Never any word spoken of how much gambling we had to play. We would check in, Delmonico's, Barbara Streisand, First Row, Liza Minnelli, Frank Sinatra. You name it, my dad took me to it, right? The lobster is the treatment, thousands of dollars in perks, staying in the Frank Sinatra suite. Maybe one week and we went there and we didn't gamble as much, but we still always got the treatment, right? Then I'll never forget that first day we checked in and the note was in my box. In order to receive your comp, you need to play an average of $200 a hand for four hours a day or $100 a hand for four hours a day. Then I could get my comp. The bean cutters took over. The mob was out, as the term says, and the bean cutters started taking over and the town changed a little bit. Now, I love Las Vegas. Las Vegas can be a lot of fun, but it's a business. And just like we talk about how times have changed with communication skills and everything else,
1: times are changing. For the better. One thing I, I learned one thing I learned from the sports betting service is that all your money is not bet in Las Vegas. Let's take that game that was played last night, Alabama Clemson. Oh, the national game. Okay. Forty five to forty. You know how much money was bet? You go go online and look up their annuity of what fucking Alabama makes a year off of football, what they make a year. <gasps> your head would blow up. What do you think? Let me tell you something. You know how much money was bet last night in that game? Millions. But Vegas ain't going to see it because if you know anything about gambling, your big books are in Mississippi and Ohio. That's where – And Costa Rica. <laughs> that's where That's where Bruce Buffer, who works for the UFC, and he doesn't want people to know his business, he calls a guy like me and says, listen, I got to put an action in for 50 grand. <laughs> but I don't want nobody to know where my action's going. I don't want to be Dana White and the people to know my business – you got a guy, I got a guy in Mississippi that'll take a half a million dollar cash bet with a hundred thousand on payloads with on PayPal. You know what I'm saying? I mean that that's reality. Your sixty percent of the money that was bet last night was bet in Ohio and Mississippi. Stagger amounts of
2: money. One thing for the record, I don't bet fights. I'm an equal opportunity no, announcer. I do fight. not well it's you not can't. that I, I just can't. don't want to. I don't want to. Right, a couple other things while you go on here. Playboy mansion's going on sale. Two hundred million dollars, they're selling the mansion for. Finally. One of the things about it, though, is the mansion's being sold, but one of the key things is Hefner gets a lifetime estate, meaning he has the run of the mansion for the rest of his life. Who the frig is going to buy the mansion for $200 million and say, Hugh, you can come here and visit me every day?
1: What does that mean? He ain't going nowhere. He's a 1,000 fucking years old. (laughs) Are you into
2: collectibles at all?
1: I used to collect comic books when I was a kid. No more.
2: Wish you had them. Wish you had them. I put on my Conor McGregor, the Conor McGregor knockout of Jose Aldo. I've only done this, is the eighth time I've ever done this. I put the cards, you know the cards are holding my hand, Yeah. right? With a signed program, an intro recording by me for 30 seconds, introducing you as a champion, signed tops card and a picture. I put it on eBay. Uh, the most they've ever sold for $2,500, the Chris Weidman uh, Andrews, uh, Anderson Silva card sold for 2500 each. Ronda Rousey's last fight sold for 2100 I give uh, part, you know, proceeds, partial proceeds to charity. In this case, the Wounded Warrior Project. Where do you think the cards are at now? Take a take a guess. What do you think Conor McGregor card bidding with four days left are at right now? Forty thousand. I wish. Jeez. Ten. <clears> Thirty-four hundred. Still pretty good. That's really good. It's still pretty good for one of a time, one one of a kind type collectible. Now another type thing they're going, and this will bring back some memories for you. They're actually auctioning off the keys. To the car, that President Kennedy was assassinated. Oh wow! Jesus the Keith mean, those are going to go anything.
0: huge, yeah. though. Those will be big.
2: Well, the opening bid starts at five thousand. They figure it'll go around fifty thousand. They're yeah. also, they're actually selling Lee Harvey Oswald handcuffs when he was shot. The handcuffs he was in.
0: Oh wow! Those will be even bigger,
2: starting at four thousand. They're selling the bullet and spent cartridge that killed Oswald. Mm. It's it's really weird. Okay, I wouldn't the, want that. That's, no, no, but there's just weird grim. people. They I'm not going to call the people. Well, it's just weird. I mean, that's it's some weird items, but people buy them. It's crazy. That starts at one thousand. There's a, you talk about your comic books, everything, Joey. Even your credentials from past UFCs. I hope you save them all because they're all worth money, Joey. They're all worth money. Really, really crazy stuff. I guess we're going to close out the show here. I want to see a couple other things, Joey. I want to thank you for coming on. Thank it's you
1: just, for having me, brother.
2: It's so great, Dad. What's your Twitter and I, it's, at
1: Mad Flavor what? and Joey Diaz on Facebook. I got none of the other stuff. Uh, I start the Savage Dead tour the 28th of January in Charlotte. Fantastic. All right, and then uh, any UFCs coming up? You're going to be out with Joe? No, I'm done. For okay. a
2: while. All right, and then uh, you got any money in the stock market, Joey? No. Good. Only on me. Good. Always bet on Joey. That's what I was always say. Always been bet on, on Buffer. Me, I got gotcha. you. Got gotcha you right there. Uh, yada, yada, yada. I think we're pretty well done. I want to thank... Let's talk
0: about his podcast. Come on. The okay, church. Go in the there. Go the in there.
2: I want to talk about the church. Very podcast. I had the pleasure of being on the podcast. Not just a podcast, televised video you can see Joey in all his mad flavor, shall we say? That's right. Right. So now, how do the people get a hold of your podcast?
1: iTunes or YouTube. There's okay. a Church of What's Happening Now page on YouTube and iTunes. And you're always with Jimmy, of course. Always <laughs> with my man Lee, the Flying Jew.
2: I'm on the show for 45 minutes. I'm calling him Jimmy the whole
1: show. Never uh,
0: live it down. That happens. Hey, uh, Joey, I know you're always front row and center at the uh, Eddie Bravo Invitational. We like seeing you out there. You gonna go down to Mexico City?
1: Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs>
2: Is that where his invitation was That's lives? where the, the next, next one. one is, yeah. yeah. One. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Ronda Rousey-Factor back in the news. Uh, she's doing the body pain issue for Sports Illustrated. Glad to see some news about Ronda coming out. But the really cool thing, Joey, which you probably already heard about, she's going to be hosting Saturday Night Live, January 23rd. More power to her. Very nice. So More.
0: big. That That's the perfect way for her to come back it's after incredible. the home fight. Yeah.
2: And, you know, the, whatever the PR, the marketing machine, the UFC's got it, it's incredible. And I know that has to have a lot to do with that in some way, shape, or form, but... Good for you, Rhonda. Glad to see you back in the spotlight. I uh, want to thank uh, for our news section everything else. We always like to thank SocialUnderground.com. Who? Uh, SocialUnderground.com. They should do a podcast. Yeah, they should. And everybody check that out. Recordings, keep them coming in. I did a batch of recordings, and a batch more came in the new year for your weddings, your birthdays, uh, introductions. Love doing them. Check out my cards. They'll be going uh, finalizing the auction on Saturday, the Conor McGregor. Jose Aldo Cards from UFC one ninety four, check it out. Already at ten thousand views. That's that. huge. Ten thousand huge. Keep them coming. And a lot of that's because let's face it, Conor McGregor. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, right? Yeah. He's he's popular. Okay, Joey. Love you, brother. Thanks Love for you having too. me. You're a savage. <laughs> I try on my better days. TJ, thanks. No, my pleasure. Joey, come back sometime soon. You got it, brother. Very enjoyable having you on. All right, everybody. Treat everybody around you the way you want to be treated. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Focus on your goals. Make those goals happen. Write them down. Make them become a reality. And what that means is be a winner. Whatever that means to you, just be the best you can be. We're all created equal as far as the paths that we like to go on. I know that TJ says stuff about that. But what I mean about being created equal is that we're all given a chance in life. But it's all about the paths you choose. Be the best you can be on that path. Don't be cocky. Don't be arrogant. Just be a winner and be a role model. Very simple as that. Thank you for joining us on It's Time Radio. Buffer out.
0: It's Time
2: with Bruce Buffer is a TJ DeSantis production and is
0: property of Buffer Enterprises Incorporated. Its content is intended for private use only. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Where am I? I thought the beer store was on this block. Better check my phone. Hey, Maps, give me directions to the beer store. Your destination is 700 feet ahead on the right. Okay, thank you. But don't settle for any beer this Oktoberfest. Make sure to get Polliner, the number one selling beer at Munich's Oktoberfest. Polliner's beers are the perfect way to bring authentic German celebration into your home. Um, great. That's more information than I needed, but I... And this Oktoberfest, make sure to follow the liter. Excuse me? Follow the leader? No, follow the liter, as in the Polliner Liter glass, like they drink in Munich. When you follow the leader across the country and identify the cities where the Polliner Liter is at, you could win octoberfest prizes including a kegerator okay maps how do i follow the leader check out polliner usa on instagram and look for the follow the leader posts correct answers in the comments are how you enter okay simple enough oh another question is this conversation covered in my data plan polliner usa white plains new york no purchase necessary open to u.s residents 21 or older excluding west virginia and 102420. void where prohibited for rules see polliner.us forward slash rules hashtag beer goals